You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we made it to episode 40 against all odds. Vardy didn't think we could do it. I did, guys. I really did think we could do it. Let's 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 check in on Vardy, how he's holding up. How are you tonight, Vardy? <laughs> episode XL, we did it! We did it. We did it, guys. Imagine what's going to happen when we make it to 50. My God. I'm going to yell louder. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Maybe that's I fine. can't promise. That's I'll think of some. I have ten more episodes, which at the rate we've been going might be three years from now. <laughs> but uh. so last we left you guys, we're gonna again take a few minutes to talk about ourselves, our lives, what's been happening. But mostly we're gonna focus on it's a summer en- tradition now, guys. Entertainment just, and yeah. media. Vardy, we briefly spoke off the podcast. Mm-hmm. But we're really going to jump into it here. You finally saw Avengers Endgame. I did. I held out. I held out and I held out for uh, – I usually see those movies with a buddy of mine down here. And just schedule-wise, travel-wise, it didn't work out to see it opening weekend. Good lord. What a challenge it is, by the way, to avoid spoilers in this day and age. It's hard, right? I mean I, I would be like going to use a urinal at work and would hear people talking about it in the bathrooms and had to like run out <laughs> mid pee. This is very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. But it, I did it. I avoided most major spoilers somehow, some way. And uh, finally went through the marathon production that is Avengers Endgame. I just want to say that's quite a feat on its own to Thank you. avoid any kind of spoiler. Like even I – like I avoided spoilers, but there were still like stills or memes on the internet yeah. that I just couldn't avoid, and it really didn't give anything away in terms of story or whatever. But it was like a frame from the movie that now is like in my right. head, right? And that's that's one frame too many for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, the funny thing was I would be reading completely what I thought at the time were inconsequential articles about things that had no relation whatsoever to that movie and then suddenly out of nowhere it would make some reference to the movie just assuming that i had seen it you know and it wasn't like oh i was i was reading some movie article i'd be reading like a sports article and it would make some reference to the movie and it was like could not escape it could not escape it it was a uh, it was a challenge it but felt very it felt tantric almost <laughs> to kind of out as long as i did and then to finally go see the movie but you did it you did it, I man. Did. And so, I did it. So let, let's find it. We could talk about it a little bit finally. What did you think? How did you feel? I think at the end of it, I, and granted, you know, if you sat through the movie, if you sat through any three-hour movie, you feel like a bit tired at the end of it. But um, I I wasn't like yipping and yawing. And who, I, I sat there for a minute and I was just like, man, what an achievement. What yeah. what an achievement to just be able to pull this off. Like I sat there for a good few minutes and just thought about where they tried to go with the narrative, how they tried to wrap up every freaking movie they've made over the last 12, 15 years, however long it's been, and somehow reference it. You know, it, it, it kind of felt like – you remember seeing Memento? Where yes. at the end of Memento, you had to kind of sit there and think back to the entire movie and how everything had built you up until that point. I almost sat there and I was like looking at the whole map in my head and I was like, 
I can't believe they managed to pull this off. I can't believe that they managed to reference everything up until this point, even things that I thought were like inconsequential, not very good movies in the history of all these Marvel productions. They managed to reference them and make them relevant and important to the overall plot. And I was just very impressed. Very, very, And it was a good movie, obviously, the whole thing considered. But I was just very impressed that they were able to, to pull that off um, with minimal plot holes, in my opinion. I think anytime you're working on a production of that scale, it's impossible not to have some plot holes. But a uh, very, very impressive movie. And, uh, yeah. I'll tell you this. It ages well in your mind. And I'm <laughs> further along than you are, <laughs> you know? And it's only going to age better. You said it, man. What an... What what an achievement, what an accomplishment. I think this is probably the most impressive franchise or long style accomplishment in the history of cinema. I don't think anyone can truly give an argument against that to pull off what they pulled off. And you look at the first Iron Man movie and the tone it set and you understood this is the direction this franchise, this universe is going and for the final movie to bookend that movie not just with the character arc of the character we're about to talk about but the tone Mm -hmm. and the way every single movie from then on was produced and executed it is absolutely astounding that out of 22 movies they maybe missed on three or four right where you would say that that was just a miss guys you know you swung for it and you missed it Everything right. else was either a home run or like a triple mm-hmm. or a double. You know what I mean? Like one or two, they struck out. Everything else was outstanding. And it's funny because it happened around the same time Game of Thrones happened. And yeah. You, and, you, and you want to talk about two different franchises or two different brands and the way they wrapped up their almost 10 year long stories for each or more. What a difference. And what curious timing that they both kind of wrapped up at the same time and one was one was so good and the other left so many people disappointed yeah i guess spoiler alerts oh yeah by anyone. the way we, yeah, have, we haven't spoiled anything yet so yeah from we this point on we're gonna we spoil haven't. shit so yeah understand now this That's is a right. spoiler warning this is your spoiler alert um yeah no i i mean i try to think back at other movie franchises that maybe have tried to pull something off like that star wars comes to mind and the inconsistencies there uh, across the course of what was originally apparently planned to be six films over however long it took them to make it but then now being expanded to nine films because you know money is wanted and it just the tone is not the same from one to the other. Not that you would necessarily expect it to be over that period of time. Right. There's but, a big gap in years right. between there's there's a gap in years. There's there's a gap in in who made the films. Right. You know, George Lucas was supposed to kind of be this the standard between the films in some way, but despite that and despite there being some sort of a narrative framework that was supposed to exist before those movies were made it just didn't hold up. There was so much disappointment. There was so much change in tone. There was so much change in plot. There was so much that was missed 
with all those movies, and yet we still love them, clearly. Everyone does. And you hope beyond hope that the next movie is going to be even better than the one before because the one before disappointed you a little bit sometimes. And we still flock to the movies to see them. And, you know, they're huge franchises. But I can't think of anything that has left me, honestly, across the course of that many films made by that many filmmakers, different teams of writers, different teams of actors. I've overall to be that satisfied and pleased with how things have went and to have like a solid bookend to 22 films and yet still leave room to grow and and have like another volume of films to come it's remarkable it is remarkable more than anything else to me that's yeah it's the ultimate dean dean lombardi 10-year plan and they pulled it off they ended it with a stanley cup basically two (laughs) two and three years um no it was outstanding and, and and going into the movie itself i mean wow i i know look i know there's gonna be plot holes that's you can't execute something like this in a perfect way because it is not perfect but it's almost perfect in its imperfection yeah. if that makes sense it's so good it is so well done that you don't care you just right. end up not caring about the little details like Anytime you're dealing with time travel, okay, right off the bat, you spoiler, should know. Spoiler alert, time travel, time travel, spoiler uh, We already gave the spoiler alert, guys. So I got to keep throwing them out there. <laughs> Anytime you're dealing with time travel, there's a lot of shades of gray there, a lot of room where you could just throw something out and just hope people buy it because there is no exact science behind it, obviously. Um, I think the movie that did it best is probably Interstellar. I think you and I have talked about this maybe once or twice is that – any movie did time travel well i think interstellar is probably the best one right. but i think this is pretty close man i mean sure there's things that aren't aren't working um that probably you could you could nitpick at but it worked for me and the second i saw that time travel is the thing i was kind of worried honest to god i was like oh no like we're going time travel with this right. because because the trailer showed so little Right. So little of what's going to happen in this movie that in my mind, I was kind of like, uh, basically, they're going to find Thanos and they're going to make him do unsnap it all. Like, that's right. the lo- most logical thing that came to my mind. They're going to find right. the guy. They're going to, you know, the stones are still going to be intact and he's going to make them. They're going to make him somehow unsnap or someone's going to take the glove and unsnap it, uh, the gauntlet. And dude, <laughs> 11 or 10 minutes into the movie, they killed Thanos. And I was like, what? Yeah, my mind turned into liquid shit in that moment. Like immediately, <laughs> I was like, "What?" And then when the the five years later, lore third came up, I almost like started sinking into my seat. Like I I did not see this coming. Right. I did Which not. Which is impressive in this day and age. It is very um, impressive because yeah. because these movies are borderline formulaic. Right. These days, and right fifteen minutes in, you're like. This isn't what I expected. Yeah, yeah, and that's again. It's it's very. I keep coming back to the word impressive, and I don't want people to think that like I didn't like the movie because I really like the movie. But I'm just so impressed by the scale of that, the ability to to build something like that that left people surprised and yet impressed and yet paid respect to all the other films that have come before it but still establishes enough of a blueprint going forward for more movies it's it's unheard of to me it's unheard of 
I mean, some people will argue that like even it's just not possible. It's not possible for you to make that many films and keep it consistent like that. And they've just gotten better. They've gotten better and better at what they do. And a lot of it is because they've learned that the best way to make these movies that are not only true to the source material, but also honor the the people who are investing their time and love these characters, not only from the movies, but from comics, video games, or whatever it may be, is to give the filmmakers the freedom to explore certain avenues of things, throw in random stuff, enjoy the fact that it's a comic book movie, help them as people who are familiar with the source material as, as like the Marvel Studios heads do, but don't handcuff them in terms of how they want to make these movies. They're, they're able to kind of incorporate different directors and the Russo brothers clearly, you know, they've, they've become juggernauts with these types of films at this point. And I just, I think it's very impressive. I think it's very impressive that when you, when you trust people who are good at their craft to be good at their craft, that you have amazing results like this. And you know, what's even more impressive is that every character all or almost every character they got a significant story arc right. that mattered. They right. got a resolution that mattered. You know, people always point to the one thing I've always read is like, well, the Hulk never got that one Hulk movie. But you know what, man? Right. S- uh, starting from Age of Ultron to here, there's like a three or four movie arc with the Hulk there. Right. That's as good as any on-screen story that's been said, been told about the Hulk to this day. So yeah. although he never got his standalone, because the Edward Norton movie is almost like not even part of this MCU, right? Sure, Some people sure. wouldn't even consider it part of it. it. Right when Mark Ruffalo got the role, then they uh, then they considered that the moment when the Hulk entered the MCU. But that arc when he gets on the, the jet and he disappears through Thor Ragnarok and then through uh, Infinity War and now mm-hmm. Endgame, like that's a that's a four movie arc for this character. Right. That's right. better than you could have done in any movie. So that's the stuff that really impresses me is that those little details, the, the stories for each character that's put in to these 22 movies, like extravaganza is so yeah. impressive. And they took such good care of these characters, so right. much respect for what they are and the source material they worked with. Yeah, I think uh, you and I talked about this, but Hawkeye especially, Hawkeye. who's kind of been, you know, if you've ever seen the SNL skits where they make fun of him in the midst of all these superpowered people, it's it's very impressive to me that they took two characters in Hawkeye and Nebula who were kind of on the fringes of their importance to this and made them very, very relevant and important to the film in very different ways, one of whom by taking – essentially someone who was an android and had the humanity beaten out of her and finding that humanity and still making it a point that, you know, she's conflicted between her past and her present as very, very relevant to the film. And then taking a guy like Hawkeye, who is clearly the very, very human member between him and Black Widow of this team, right? Like the power is not necessarily what they bring to the table here, but it's the human element and his, you know, the suffering that they kind of show for him and his whole arc of something as simple as losing his family. I think that's a great way of of kind of pointing out to all the people who are losing their families that you're not seeing on screen. Right. Like there's there's a huge human component to this film 
in all these films of people who have died and lost their families in all these tragedies, and then to take someone like Hawkeye and make it relevant to to the suffering that you're not kind of seeing, it, I think it brings it down to a level. It brings it down from the CGI, you know, craziness that you're typically seeing, and it brings it down to a very simple. This is my family on a farm level, and that matters to me just as much as you know you and your billion Iron Man suits and your condo in malibu that kind of thing and where did they start that arc age of ultron again right this you know they introduced his family in age of ultron exactly. so by the time endgame which by the around, way a lot of people myself included were were disappointed by right and now after something like this you look back and you're like man that was a really good movie this yeah. whole thing was they had this in mind yeah and imagine how 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 less impactful the opening of endgame would be had you not interacted right. with those characters in age of ultron right so again it's just i'm so impressed and i'm so incredibly satisfied with yeah. everything they've done and and i i hope it is the highest grossing movie of all time i hope it beats avatar it deserves it, it, deserves it because it is you know 22 films in the making to get to this point and right. Man, I would I would, would hate to be DC Comics. I already hated I would have already hated to be DC Comics after you know, first six movies of the MCU. They were already in, in, in trouble. And, and you yourself, I mean, you're you're a big Batman fan. Yes. I mean he's he's your he's your boy. Look, the bottom line is DC has the two most recognizable superheroes of all time. Well, <laughs> I don't know anymore because yeah. Marvel took a C level superhero in Iron Man mm -hmm. and after all these years, he is now on par with those guys in terms of character, in terms of yeah. fanfare all, all across the globe. Yeah. Just as well-known now, and, and I don't think that's a bold statement, just as well-known as Superman or Batman is Iron yep. Man right now. And yep. he was a C-level character in yep. the Marvel Universe. And that's what they've accomplished with these movies. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. All right. All right. Um, now that we got that out of the way. Uh, anything on Game of Thrones? We were disappointed. Nope. I, I'm, and we ended up disappointed, right? I'm Basically. just I'm, at this point. I'm waiting for the books, if the, if and when they come, to kind of redeem the whole thing. Because, um, yeah, I'm. It's so funny. My my wife was like, "Hey, don't you want to watch that? Uh, the making of the last season special that they put on this last Sunday?" And I I had. Not even out of a place of bitterness. I was just like, honestly, I have zero interest. I was the same I way, like man. I, I was the same I, way. I've, Friend yeah. of the show, the Boomerang, reached out to me and he's like, oh, man. he's a big Poor fan. Boomerang, man. He, so he, he went he, through the trouble of collecting all those whiskey bottles with the different, which is an amazing collection for different yeah. for different reasons. But like he he invested his heart and soul <laughs> in the form of cask aged alcohol <laughs> of the, into that show. And um, he asked me too. He said, are, are, did you watch it? I watched it. I was like, man, I don't know. Again, not out of a place of bitterness, but I just – I don't want to see it. I would rather watch Endgame two more times than watch that. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. That's, it just hasn't earned it for me. It, it, just, it really hasn't. It, it it totally lost me and it disappointed me. And people can be like, oh, it, you know, it's thank you for everything you've brought. You redefined television. You did. I'm like, that's great. You certainly did that. You raised the bar for what a good TV show should be, and I appreciate that. Now look across the street at how this movie took 22 films 
had just as much money and time, in my opinion, as they did to invest in it and give us a solid ending that's worthy of the time that everyone has invested in your show and the, the community that they've built for it. And instead, you were more interested basically in wrapping this up earlier than you needed to, writing in you know, terrible episodes with loose plot lines because – you know, you were interested in moving on and writing the next two Star Wars films and coming up with a show that eventually HBO decided not to make about what it would be like if the South won the Civil War. <laughs> so, and yes, that, I'm talking about the writers of Game of Thrones. This was their master plan. Right, right. Um, anyway, not. I don't want to get too into it. One thing I w- did want to ask you, though, Vardy. Yes. We're, we, today, these two things we talked about, non-hockey related so far, are about kind of putting closure on a long what are we, like 35 minutes in 20 20 cool uh on a long stand it's uh giving closure to a long standing series in terms of television can you think of or how many uh, shows can you think of that wrapped up properly that wrapped up in a way where you felt completely satisfied and i'm talking about good series you know is there anything that comes to mind? Because there's been a lot of disappointment between The Sopranos. Some yeah. people didn't like Seinfeld. Um, you should go to Sitcom World. A lot of people were okay with Friends. They didn't like How I Met Your Mother. Things like that. Is there anything that stands out to you where you're like that was the right one? I mean, my my level of investment in a lot of those shows was different. I, I was never fully invested in Seinfeld. I was really kind of on the younger side of things when it was coming up. I was really invested in Lost and there you go that's one. I, I was not I was not particularly pleased with how it ended. But again, it's the same thing, right? Like they you either know how to how you're going to wrap up your time travel arc or you don't and I I just I think they missed the mark on that one. Um my wife really really likes Big Bang Theory and so I've seen a lot of episodes with her yeah. in that sense. And obviously, like having a love for comics and pop culture in general, having those references and and having a science background or medicine background myself, like, you know, there's some nice relevant things in there. Um, Recently watched the series finale for that show. I thought it was very nicely done. Honestly, I did. Cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't haven't put my time into that show to earn watching the season finale yet. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's to me, it's good throwaway television in a lot of ways like if you're not fully invested in the plot lines and stuff you can watch an episode at any point in time but um she as a huge fan of the show was also very pleased with the ending of it so to me as someone who maybe wasn't as a big a fan of the show itself i watched it and i felt like it was well done um you know so yeah i thought that i mean just a more recent one was there one you had in mind in Um, particular so the one the one that i remember watching and being like this is so beautiful was breaking bad mm, um yeah definitely now, now people have complained about that finale mind you people some people didn't like that but i remember when the credits rolled and i was just like yes like yes there's no maybe there's one or two little things but overall much like let's say how i felt on endgame i was like this makes sense yeah. This makes me feel like all the time I invested in this was worth it. And I got an ending that I'm completely satisfied with, even though the protagonist of the show essentially met his demise. Uh, not unlike not unlike Endgame, I suppose. Which, which I think if you, again, if you look back at that show, you knew that that was going to that was the only way it could possibly end. Yet so satisfying. 
yeah that's the thing like so beautifully done so wonderfully ended so that's that's the only one that honestly that might be the only one i could think of where i'm like did you ever watch the wire i don't know if you did um now, i didn't finish it about i started it but i never i haven't put enough yeah. time into it but i know you love that show yeah the wire was great too in that way but i think the wire was different because they they had a plan for five seasons going into it right and and how they were going to show every season like every season was meant to be right the, the struggle from a different perspective but the, the, obviously the characters overlap in one way or another through the seasons so i thought i thought that was really well done too and i think that's maybe the key a lot of times with these shows is that if you're still making the show just for the sake of making the show and not necessarily for the sake of like completing a story you know what i mean I don't think you're going to be particularly successful. I think the most successful ones are the ones who realize like there needs to be an end to this story. You can't just keep going because people are still watching and there's money to be made. There's other stories to be told. Right. You just have to you just have to wrap it up nicely enough to honor the legacy that you've built up right. until that point. Nice. Okay. All right. No more guys. Hockey, Hockey. time. Hockey time. Hockey time. Um, maybe we'll, we should put a, a little thing in our caption like this at you know such and such time hockey talk begins yeah can we have can we have our vo guy jump in and go <laughs> the bannerman will now talk about hockey <laughs> maybe we will maybe we'll have him jump in but yeah hockey wise again this is kind of the sleepy time for the la mm -hmm. kings especially when they're not in the playoffs they're kind of in, in hibernation we will talk about the cup final but um world championships already how much did you get to watch um, it was pretty entertaining from whatever I got to watch, especially the exploits of one Capo Caco who went out there and basically showed everyone that he is NHL ready to say the least. Yeah, I, I, I only got to watch like a handful of in-game portions, um, mostly because the timing of the games was, was not conducive to what I was doing with life, but, uh, obviously saw lots of, uh, Capo Caco. Uh, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it without sounding completely disrespectful of the Finnish background of it because I feel like it's, it's not – in reality, it can't possibly be Capo Caco. No, you know it, what I mean? It's a soft K. It's Capo. Yeah. Capo yeah. Caco probably. Yeah, Caco. We All right. So know. we'll go with that. Yeah. Anyway, um, not that I'm Finnish or anything. No, no. Um, but – I mean, what a, what a showing on he his was, part, right? He was outstanding. What a showing. Like, could you – and then obviously at the end of it all uh, – he and uh, Yoki, uh, God, Horikarju. I can't, I can't pronounce his last name. But like him and him, uh, him and, and uh, Kaka were <laughs> the two, <laughs> the two guys with Finnish names. Right. Uh, were added to the list of very, very young players who have won a world championship, an under twenty, and a and a under eighteen. Yes. Did you see who else was on that list? I did. Good old Danny Grabeshkov. <laughs> episode, episode 37. 37 held himself. Danny so in Grabeshkov. case you're wondering if that's a guarantee of uh, success in the NHL level, clearly not. <laughs> that's a no. Hard yeah. no on that yeah. one. Um, but yeah, Finland ends up taking it, man. And it's, you know, Russia's going to Russia <laughs> in, mm -hmm. their, in their international play. Um, yes, they won the gold medal last time, but let's not kid ourselves. Uh, no one of significance was playing in that tournament. Right. Uh, we always kind of, I think, somewhat cheer for Russia because our families are from the previous U Soviet Union, even though we are Americans and we're all about that USA hockey now. Yeah. Uh, there's always a soft spot, but 
man, their tournament, just their international play since the collapse of the Soviet Union has not been very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has not been very good, uh, to say the least. But congrats to Finland. Uh, I'm a hockey coach, and I have a, uh, a kid who's Finnish on my team, so he was super oh, nice. pumped. Good for nice. him. He had a big smile on his face, so I'm happy for him. Um, so, yeah, uh, always a fun tournament, guys. I encourage you to always uh, watch it. The NHL Network has done a great job the last few years of, of making sure there are some games on the television. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of streams you can find and all that stuff, too. So we always encourage you to dip yeah. into the international play. Especially because then you get to see highlights of, uh, of Kopitar, you know, dragging the Latvian team through the mud. <laughs> right. And, and dragging and like, oh, yeah. And basically dra- dragging the Slovenian team on his back. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. what he does. Those are his summers, guys. Those are his dry lands. Yeah. Uh, but the entire Slovenian team climbs on top of Kopitar. <laughs> basically. But uh, speaking of international play and the Russians, we got to talk about the Slava Voinov situation. The Kings publicly... After it was announced that Voinov's suspension would extend to the first half of the regular season, this coming season, the Kings finally were able to, I guess, say something of significance on the situation. And they said, from their perspective, Slava Voinov has essentially played his last game as a Los Angeles King, which I know you're happy about, Vardy. We've, we've talked about the situation throughout the previous 40 episodes plenty of times. Right. And... They essentially said, we're done with them. We can finally kind of move on from this thing. And I know you're not surprised, uh, but are you surprised the Kings were so, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Concrete with mm-hmm. what they said. So absolute with what they said. I mean, I'm not surprised for that. I'm surprised it took them so long. Because every other time they've been asked about this situation, they've just kind of punted it to, well, it's not relevant because it's not... You know, it's not being – the NHL is still working that out. There's, the NHL hasn't taken a stance and therefore we won't take a stance yet. You know, I think if you say stuff like that, it still leaves the possibility in the minds of your fans and the rest of the league that like if the NHL comes around and accepts him to bring him back into the NHL, that you yourself would do the same. And then to come out and say something, as you mentioned, so absolutely concrete, definitively no, it just left me wondering like – why did it take you so long? Like you could have, you could have very easily said that the first time you were asked and been like, doesn't matter what the NHL does. He's not going to play with the Kings ever again. And I think you would have, you know, put a lot of, you know, uh, uh, hand wringing to rest over the last few years. But I mean, I'm glad that that's what they came to. I don't know if they had all sorts of internal discussions and about like, okay guys, seriously, what are we going to do if this happens? And they had to take like a consensus vote or whatever it was, but I'm glad that that's what they came to. I think you and I both agreed um, when we talked about this on one of our past episodes that the, that was the logical conclusion for both the team and the player for that to happen. Now comes the second part of does he actually ever end up playing on an NHL team again and which team is daring enough to to dip into those filthy, filthy waters. <laughs> right. Uh, controversial comment. Yeah. I think – I don't know how controversial controversial it is, actually. I think the Kings being in a quote-unquote rebuild mm-hmm. helps them say what they said significantly. The Kings are in no position right now uh, to be needing, let's say, a defenseman to put them over the top, a player like that to help them 
go a certain direction or if they're like one defenseman away, you know what I mean, from really making a difference. I'm not saying they would. I'm not saying they wouldn't still come out and say what they said. What I'm saying is it helps a ton that you're in, you're in a position where you adding a veteran defenseman does not make sense with what you're doing with your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I want to be careful what I'm saying. I'm not saying they would have done this. I'm not saying had, you know, had they made it to the Western Conference final and got eliminated that they wouldn't come out and say the exact same thing. But it helps you when you're in a position now where adding a player like this at a time like this isn't really super beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of helped. I think sh- were the Kings, let's say, hypothetically in the cup final, I don't think they would have said a damn word right now, at least not right now, right? You don't want to say anything when your team's going as well as they're going. Let's say if they were the St. Louis Blues right now, I don't think they even comment on the situation till I don't know, September. Sure. So it, sure. It, it all depends on where you're at. It all depends what you have, where you're at as a franchise. But ultimately, I would be disappointed if they said anything other than what they said. And yeah. I'm glad they said what they said. Yeah. We can move on. It's not worth the headache. Bottom line, it's just not right. worth it. Right. And we've touched on this before. The talent gap in the NHL is not so significant where this is a make or break player for any franchise. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's that. I'm glad we're moving on. And... If another team decides that they want to try that and bring them on, Godspeed to you and your PR department cool. because, yeah. Again, I, I don't know. And another thing is, I don't think we've ever been the type to crucify this guy either. No, you, in you fact, in, if I remember correctly, in our show, we we said basically that like we understood if he was given reentry into the NHL, we just didn't think it should be with the Kings, right? And we brought up a couple examples of guys who had had criminal run-ins, obviously not to this level, but who needed a fresh start. And it's not just in this league. I mean, it happens in the NFL. It happens in the NBA. Guys screw up. And they and they will you know, continue they, to screw up. Right, and they will continue to screw up. These guys are constantly in a position where every screw-up is more you know, egregious than the next screw-up. And they're going to keep doing stuff like this. It's not new. And... Unfortunately, we as fans and teams with executives need to have a game plan about how you're going to deal with this stuff going forward because they're human beings. They're going to make dumb mistakes and do stupid things and do horrible things that unfortunately we're, are going to keep coming up as far as things go. Yep. That's that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we should dwell on it anymore. I would like to move yeah. on. I think we covered okay. everything. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, but <laughs> – in a related and I think not as serious topic, uh, I know you saw the Evgeny Kuznetsov news that's flying around the Twitterverse right now. He was caught, I guess, with an old video of him sitting on a bed with a table in front of him. The table had two lines of cocaine, unmistakable. White sugar. Or a wrapped or a rolled up $100 bill. The video does not show him. Using that the was, cocaine? That was baking soda. Yeah. And it was for yeah. images only. <laughs> the video does not show him using the cocaine, uh, but we can do the math, I guess. Um, and and it's funny because uh, the only reason it's funny is because the seriousness of those of the matters, right? Let's you, When you put Voinov versus this, you can kind of 
kind of shrug your shoulders at this a little bit more. Drug abuse obviously is not a light subject, but what I'm saying is an image like that does not equal drug abuse automatically. That's all I'm saying. We could kind of laugh at it. If you think, guys, <laughs> if you think that Kuznetsov in that video is the only case you could find like that in the National Hockey League and across sports, you are kidding yourselves, my friends. You are kidding yourselves. Um, what did you think, Vardy? What was your initial reaction? Um, do you think it's a, it's a truly serious matter? Well, it's a serious matter in the sense that clearly it's illegal. <laughs> and if what? he was actually using cocaine, um, I th- and, and like you said, I, and not to make light of drug abuse, but to, to kind of stick your head in the sand and assume that all these guys are good old boys and they would never do something like that. And they're role models and they, you know, they take their vitamins and they eat their Wheaties and, you know, they hug babies and whatnot. Like, come on, come on. Yes. Even, even a clean cut kind of league like the NHL. Let me rephrase because the last few years have not been kind no, to the PR department not. of the hot. But if you compare probably the cleanest, most clean cut sport is hockey of the major sports. But that's only because <laughs> hockey players are extra careful. Believe me, uh, that's my also, theory. Because hockey players aren't under the same amount of spotlight as that NFL too. players and NBA that players. Too. That's the benefit of being, let's say, the fourth or fifth most popular sport, right? In the world, you gain or a certain country. level of anonymity, which is impossible in this day and age. Correct. You, you know, um, if I don't know. Austin Wagner is walking down the street of Los Angeles. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to know who the hell he is. Right. Possibly not even Kings fans at this point right. of his career. Um, but say, um, I don't know, if Tom Brady <laughs> was caught doing that, uh, it would be kind of a different story. And I even go, you could even go far less than Tom Brady to an average NHL player. Right. Um, you know, Lamar Odom, for example, a few years right. ago, he's not a superstar. But he's a well-known kind of player. He was in deep shit for a long time. And I'm so happy he looks like he's back on his feet now. But that's kind of the difference. Those stars are much well-known, much more well-known, much more in the spotlight than hockey players are. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of the give and take with being a hockey player. And the negative side, I guess, is that the first kind of time or this, you know, one of the few times something like this happens, there's a lot more scrutiny than there right. would be on a regular, let's say, drug charge for any other player in any other sport. Yeah, and and, and there's been you know there's been hockey players who primarily I've I remember like a lot of uh, alcohol abuse, drunk driving violations, sure. things like that. You sure. know, um, things happen, and people have their demons, and people suffer with different things all the time. Um, and so I guess that's that's the part that I found not funny per se, but just. I smirked a little bit because we're gonna make a we're gonna make a show of this because there's clearly a video out there and you have to acknowledge that there's a video. But to, in my mind, I was like, man, this is one video. You have no idea how much of this stuff in the history of these players' backgrounds, especially dating back to like the crazy eras of the '70s oh and the God. '80s. Come on. That stuff, they were probably like, they probably had an assistant coach on the team whose job it was to go and get Coke for all the guys. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I fully 100% believe that because these are athletes who have a ton of money, who have a ton of fame in the right circumstances, who deal with injuries, 
and and are having the time of their lives by the way a lot of times they are and a lot of times they're you know like they're also dealing with a lot of they are yeah stress in one way or another so whether they're doing it because they think they're having a good time or they're doing it to mask whatever is troubling them this stuff is prevalent I think it's it's still prevalent in sports, and I think you'd be you're kind of being naive if you don't think it's out there. And so that was the part that kind of I I chuckled at a little bit because I was just like, really, like this is the one that we're going to worry about right. is is the one that like the guy's on his phone sitting next to a table of cocaine that he may or may not have used, but you're you're not going to worry about the fact that like tons of players come out post retirement and. They're like, man, I was taking oxycodone and chasing it down yeah, with man. beer like every night. The Kevin Stevens stuff that came out, it's like the Nick Boynton stuff, Matt about, like, Johnson, and like he, they're borderline homeless, right? right? Like it was crazy, crazy, right. crazy things. Um, who else was it? Uh, Murphy, I forget his first name, but he well, was I just saw a list today on Twitter about all these guys who had received settlements in in the concussion lawsuit, and there's a lot of names you're going right. to recognize there. They're Joe not, Murphy's and, you know, he's the player I was thinking of. Joe Murphy yeah. from the Blackhawks. So it's here's the thing. My thing is like you can't paint everybody with the same brush. Like I'm not gonna sit here and paint Evgeny Kuznetsov right. with a quote unquote druggy brush right. because of this. And there are way different things. Like I have a very and I think you agree. Um, I think with drugs there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of like. I disagree with so many drug laws in this country. I disagree with so many ways like minor drug offenses are handled. And and in a lot of ways, like the media and the internet, they're going to paint these guys with the same broad brush of like, hey, man, you're a villain because of this, because look what happened to X, Y, and Z. You're the same thing. And that's the kind of thing that I don't like. I don't like that. Uh, I don't know his history. Right. But I do know that this video means almost nothing to me and almost changes nothing in the way I perceive him. And I'm not going to be quick to judge him for that. Because yeah. like we just talked about, at the end of the day, these guys are human beings and they're sometimes they're going to do these things. Jared Stoll, I'm not going to judge Jared Stoll for the rest of his life because of that one thing that happened right. you know, five years ago or whatever right. the hell it was. And that's what I'm, right. that's what I'm trying to say. Right. And... And that's yeah, that's a great example because Jared Stoll was full on caught with drugs in his pocket, and look at him now doing post game and pre game with the Kings. Right, because that does I, that does that does not make a person. That incident does not make a person. It does yes. not. Ju- it shouldn't be hung around his neck for the rest of his life. Right, and the other thing that sometimes I kind of I chuckle at a little bit is when. People automatically assume that because he was found with drugs in his possession that he has a drug problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, like, come on. Sometimes the guy just wants to go out and party and and does those things. But, you know, 10 years from now, he's going to grow out of it and it's going to be fine. You don't have to – and I get that people go through this and I'm sure I'm pissing off some people and I'm touching some hot-button topics right now. Not every drug user is a drug addict. And not every drug user is going to become a drug addict. There's definitely a strong genetic and psychological component that we still do not understand when it comes to these things. I'm just saying that, like you are, you can't label everyone with the same thing. And I feel like a lot of times we have this predisposition because maybe the leagues think it's the right thing to do to jump out with this knee-jerk reaction of, we're going to get him the help he needs. And it's like, he doesn't need any help. He needs 
people to not make a big deal about this sometimes so that it doesn't derail him in other ways and he can move on. That's it. Right. I agree with you. And on, on the same, in the same breath that you say that, like not every person who uses drugs can only use them recreationally and it's always going to be safe. So that's what we're saying. It's just, what we're saying is everyone's different. And, and that's, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line for me. So we can, we can wrap it up. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to say. Yeah. No, Um, it's just, yeah. Don't definitely. be su- all I'm saying is don't be surprised if your favorite model athlete guys right dips into the into the old, you know, uh controversial bag every now and right. then. Whatever, it's fine. Um anything else, Vardy? Um Cup final. Yeah. Hockeys. Important hockeys. Um man, the St. Louis Blues. Our nineteen sixty seven brethren. Yes, uh, they lost game one to the Boston Bruins, game one of the cup final, and now in their history are 0-13 in cup final games. It's I am pulling for them heavily, Vardy. I think the Bruins, the city of Boston, the New England area has had enough championships to hold them for a lifetime. The St. Louis area, other than the Cardinals... Well, let's say St. Louis hockey mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. has been suffering for a long time. So right. I do hope they can get it back. They jumped up, jumped out to a two nothing lead. But you knew the, that the Bruins were going to push back in that game. Oh yeah, uh, they were on home ice. They had the longer layoff. Maybe their legs took a little longer to get back, and boy, did they get back! Um, they end up winning the game four to two. They now lead one nothing. And game two is on Wednesday. So it will be interesting to see how the how the Blues respond. What did you think of the game and what do you think of the Blues chances in this series? You know, I was frankly I was surprised they even had a two oh lead in that game. Going I mean, going into that game, I, I thought Boston was really gonna come out flying and a hometown crowd, etc. And now, after having them see, after seeing them go out to a two-zero lead and lose it, I feel even less like I think it's even less likely that they're going to win the cup because they had a chance. I think that's what that's they had a chance like. to really send a message to their team to Boston if they could have just not stopped pushing. And and earned it and kept going with the ways that they ended up getting a 2-0 lead and stopped the onslaught from Boston. I think that would have been a very, very huge point for the franchise and for the rest of the series. But now, man, it's 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 going to be impossible. You're going to see that Tory Krug hit played on every Jumbotron game, every high. I mean, they've got a rallying cry now. And you now have a team that probably had a slight advantage already going into it in terms of talent pool and experience and whatnot. And now you have them galvanized. You have them thinking to themselves, man, this team can come back from a 2-0 hole and wreck the Blues. It is, it's going to be tough, man. It it's going to be tough. They essentially had an opportunity to steal one. Yeah, on the road, and every team who starts on the road usually wants to take get the split and go home, right? And basically eliminate the home ice from the other team. So that's what you want. 
But again, they couldn't do it. They had an opportunity. That two-o lead is huge in the first period, but Boston gonna Boston, and you knew they were gonna come back, and they did. Yeah, it's They're gonna be tough, team, man. They're a good team, and I, I, I was watching. You know, every line was just bringing it. Every single line, I was like, they're going to score. They're going to score right now. Yeah. Even even their fourth liners with guys like Corrali and everything, man, they were just fearless out there. I was trying to watch that game and com- think to myself, how would the Kings' fourth line do in this situation? <laughs> it, that was my reaction too. That was exactly my reaction because these guys are going out there and they're fearless. They're not just like – bangers and dumping chasers man they're trying to inject skill into their play even as a fourth line getting like 12 minutes a night and they're getting rewarded for it they're persistent they're trying things out there they're confident it's a that is a tough team to beat and then to backstop it all you've got rask just kind of sitting there twiddling his thumbs and every time someone comes around he pulls out another save when he needs to putting up a historic postseason performance overall I, I don't know. It, it's just too high a mountain to climb. It seems that way anyway. It seems that way. I and I'm hope- hoping jinxing yeah. that has been very successful through this playoff run for other teams continues because, you know, Boston needs another championship the way we all need fresh hemorrhoids. But that's <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruins in five? <laughs> I think it's... That's a that's a solid prediction. Granted, they're one up, but I think Bruins in five is a pretty solid prediction right now. But hey, still go Blues! Please prove us wrong, prove everyone wrong. I hope yeah. I hope they can pull it off because it will be very very rewarding as a hockey fan to see another team, another fan base get what we were so fortunate to get a few years ago and feel what we felt a few years ago after a long long wait. I think Rask, Rask would be your Conn Smythe winner, right, in this scenario? I think, if the, well, if the betting lines are any indication, he is the go, favorite going away to win the Conn Smythe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even close. Yeah. I think Jordan, Jordan Biddington is the second favorite. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think so. He's, you know, he's been the MVP for three rounds. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have to be spectacular yesterday in game one. But I suspect he's the odds-on favorite. Yeah. Um, Dave Tippett Vardy mm-hmm. is now the coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, indeed. Kind of out of left field, but not too much because I we had heard that the whole Seattle thing, that he wasn't really right. interested in a managerial role. He, he still wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, if you want to coach that Seattle team, you have to wait. You have to wait for quite a while for there to team. be a team on the ice. So he takes he takes a job with the Edmonton Oilers, and that's a good hire. What can you say? I mean, I, he's a good coach. Um, the end. He hasn't really won anything, right? The same right. kind of criticism people were throwing at Tom Todd McClellan when the Kings hired him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't won yet, so. But he is a respected guy. He is the type of guy that is no nonsense. He is the type of guy that's going to command respect from his team. Um, but then again, so is Ken Hitchcock. So it's 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 hard for me to to speak on this quite yet. 
Uh, and I think that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. I think it's a slightly different scenario than Hitchcock because Hitchcock's obviously coming in in the middle of the season, you know, the GM and, and kind of the, the top down, um, structure of the franchise is slightly different now. Um, and so I'm hoping that that works out for him because I, I have a, I, I love Dave Tippett. I, you know, dating back to the Andy Murray years and like everything he brought to the team. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I think he's a hell of a coach and, I thought for sure he was going to end up being Seattle's coach, but I understand how this is a better scenario for him. Um, and I hope it works out. I hope that uh, he finds success and that the team is a better team because I think Edmonton deserves to have a good team. I think Connor McDavid deserves to be surrounded by a team that, you know, plays up to the standard that he plays. Um and there's a lot of good guys on that team. The talent is there. It's kind of baffling that they haven't been able to put it together. Well, if you, I mean, maybe not on the defensive yeah. aspect, but certainly on the forward aspect of things. Um, is there? On the forward aspect? You don't think so? Man, I think they had it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like Jordan Eberle was, you know, the difference in between the Oilers making the playoffs and then missing the playoffs, which happened, I think, immediately. I don't, I'm not saying he was a difference, but he went on and he had a great season in, in New York. They yeah. got Ryan Strom for him. Ryan Strom is no longer there. Right. He, he contributed nothing. The wings right. on that team, you know, outside of Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins, I'm not really seeing a whole lot there. But, I mean, that's that's huge, though, that's man. Huge. Just, that's huge. That's huge. But the wings, I don't know. I just think, that you know, Milan Lucic, Zach Cassian. No question, uh, there's been a lot ready. of money allocated to useless players. A lot more money than should have been. I'm not even bringing that up. I just mean that when, anytime you have a team that's got those three guys, yes, I'll give you that. That's come on, especially you got to be able on, to build, the guy on top. Exactly, you got to be able to build something around that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think their roster needs a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, but I think obviously the 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 two most recent moves they made are very important with Holland and Tippett. Clearly, you got those are moves that are borderline no-brainers. When that GM mm-hmm. is available and that coach is available, you have to do it. You have to give him the offer you gave him. You have to get him on your side and hope for the best. But Ken Holland has work to do. That's all I'm saying. Like, there is a lot of good pieces in Edmonton. There is, you know, Kyler Yamamoto's yet to play, but like mm-hmm. Yessi Puliarvi, like mm-hmm. nothing. And that, yeah. I don't know whose fault that is. It might be the, on the player. It might be on his development. He may have been rushed. Yada yada yada. But I think they have huge work to do on their bottom six and their wings. The talent, the top end talent, man, it's there. You're right. I can't even argue that. Um, but they have to build around. They have to now start making yeah. moves because and it's and it's not going to be overnight. So I mean, they gave him a three-year contract, which truly might not be enough to him to to turn this thing around. But I'm hopeful because I know he's a good coach. Yeah, and it kind of got me thinking. Actually, like I'm kind of surprised Andy Murray has not been brought back into some sort of an NHL coaching position because yeah, you know he he coached the Kings, then he went to St. Louis. And then I think it's been Switzerland since, right? Maybe some college coaching in there. I I can't truly remember. But I always thought of him as a little bit of maybe not ahead of his time, but he was always a bit of an outside-the-box thinker in terms of how he coached. 
and was doing a lot of things at that time with like sports psychology and having players write essays and stuff like that, that were quirky for sure. But they've found, I think a lot of place for things like that now in coaching and, and sports science and everything. And it's kind of surprising to me. Maybe he just doesn't want it to come back to NHL coaching or anything like that. But it's surprising to me that, you know, Dave Tippett as a guy who coached initially with Andy Murray as an assistant coach and really hasn't had like the greatest record in terms of coaching, but everyone acknowledges that he's a good coach. Was Andy Murray really that bad of a coach where no one has considered bringing him back? I mean, Mark Crawford has been considered to be brought back by coaches, by teams. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, in St. Louis, he missed the playoffs his first two seasons. Then they were eliminating the first round, and then he was fired after 40 games in 0-9-10. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, almost immediately, he, he's been coaching college. Western right. Michigan, he's been the, the head coach of Western Michigan since 11-12. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that is a long time to – and again, maybe it's by choice. Maybe he doesn't I, want to, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. And the inner workings of Andy Murray's mind uh, – Although Big Art thinks I do a fantastic impression of him. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting to me. It is. Um, and there's a lot of guys like that, too. Believe me. There's a lot of guys who have kind of just been forgotten. A lot of coaches who have just come and gone. And you're wondering what the hell ever happened to them or why right. Why they never got an opportunity. Um, it still boggles my mind that Dean Lombardi hasn't gotten a, a GM job yet. Yeah. That is like wow um again believe it, he could have been gm of the ottawa senators <laughs> offered it to him uh but i'm surprised no one's really from what i've heard really you know with a lot of good pieces on their side young pieces gone up to him and say hey man you seem like you know how to take a rebuilding team and turn them into a cup champion right you should come over here and help us so i don't know again i don't even know if he will it's just hockey's this weird thing where guys just kind of get forgotten or you know, they only remember you for the last thing you did, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But, yeah. Um, maybe right. maybe Andy Murray creeps up one of these days in the NHL. We'll see. It's just interesting. It's just interesting to me. It is interesting. Anything else, Vardy? Anything else that comes to mind? Oh, I had something, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of coaching, I heard that with Tippett – Coming to the Oilers, he might bring in his coaching staff with him. The coaching mm-hmm. staff of his choice. This might have already happened. I'm not sure. And that would. I don't think they've announced anything about assistants okay. yet. Okay, so Trent Yanni, who was the assistant of Todd McClellan right. with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, John Rosen reports that he believes he will be an assistant coach with the LA Kings mm-hmm. re- in relatively short order here. If mm-hmm. should the Oilers not retain his services as assistant coach. Todd McClellan thinks very highly of him and should have him on the King staff pretty soon after Tippett announces his assistant. So that was a little thing. It's interesting. Yeah. I have to truly, I have to look up and see what capacity he was coaching. Like, was he a power play coach defense? I'm not really sure what he was, what he was running for them. Funny enough. He's still listed. <laughs> he's still listed on the Oilers website. Um, <laughs> So he helped – let's see. So he was with the Ducks right. until last year. Last year was his first season as the Oilers' assistant coach, mm-hmm. I believe. 
he worked on the PK with Anaheim. Okay. In, uh, okay. in 1718, the Ducks were fifth best PK in the NHL, and he had a lot to do with that. Yeah. So he was in charge of a penalty, and this is the OC Register article I'm reading. Right. Uh, he was in charge of a penalty kill that finished among the NHL's top five for three straight years. He also ran the defensive core that played a role in having them allow the third fewest goals against. And and certainly that, you know, you can't always take one thing and translate it to another team. But that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty convincing numbers. I've never thought of like the Ducks PK and their right, right. their coaching is like some airtight unit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting to see that. So, uh, yeah, some some Kings like developments. But there is one one I think really important thing that we didn't talk about. This is episode forty. Yes, 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 yes. And as we always do, this is not going to be fun. Yeah, you're probably not going to like this one. But I think you're I think you're going to get at least at least two of these guys. So Carter likes the, this is the game we play. Yeah, I have a player in mind whose whose jersey number was the number of this episode that we're doing, and we dedicate this episode to that player. And then Caro, using his infinite oh, king's God. knowledge, uh, has to guess the not just the player who I think this episode is dedicated to, but all the other players in King's history who have worn that jersey number. Yeah. So it is jersey number 40. Yeah. You do have something going for you. How many players do you think wore the jersey number 40 in um, King's history? Four. Wow. Yes. Really? Yeah. That's that's three more than I hoped for. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, if it was only one, I think you'd know who the one was. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, so right off the bat, Cal Peterson. Wore goalie it, of the future, Cal goalie, Peterson. Goalie of the future, wore it last season. No problem. That was easy. Yeah. Um, now it gets hard for me. Yes, it does. Because I cannot, for the life of me, Without you giving me uh, – by the way, part of this game, I am allowed a few questions. Yeah. The main thing is the years they played. I think yes. that is fair for me yes. to receive that information. So the one pri- – we'll go backwards. Peterson's the most recent. Before him, what years did n- this number 40 play? A single year, which is always good. Great. Probably like five games. 2006. <sighs> More than five games. Okay. 2006, more than five games. Number mm-hmm. 40. What mm-hmm. a stupid number. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, would, who would choose? Not a goalie. I'm assuming Peterson's the only goalie. Um, yes. Yeah, which sucks. <laughs> because whoever – a player who either chose number 40 or had to choose number 40 – is most likely not a significant player in King's history. That's that's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> you're not totally right, but that's okay. Okay, okay. Or it's a player that um, was f- – I want to say this correctly – wore a better number – Later in his career, I was forced to take it early. <laughs> yes. I okay. do, however, this is interesting to me because I have a memory. And I'm this is I'm gonna pull this name out of left field, and I don't know if I'm gonna be right. 
but it, it's a name that can, comes up to me, and I, I don't want to butcher his first name, but I remember his last name clearly. Clearly, <laughs> the last name is Potomsky. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the hell, man? And it's not 0607 because I remember no, it being the silver and no. black. God. Okay. Man. Hold on. What was his first name? Barry. Barry Potomsky. There you go. Just, just <laughs> such a great name. Sounds like the dude who runs the deli <laughs> down the street. Barry Potomsky. If uh, I remember, he was – Barry's Meats. He was like Ma, – I'm going to go get some mortadella from Barry's. Uh, he was an enforcer type. I, oh, I believe he was an. I believe. Hold on. Yes. I, I believe he was an enforcer type. Um, I, I couldn't tell you much of. I don't even know what he looks like. I just remember his last name and the and the number in the Gretzky era jerseys. That's all I remember. That's all you need, baby. Barry Potomsky. All right. Cool. Which, yeah. <laughs> so, would it please you to know that Barry Potomsky is the longest reigning number forty? <laughs> In LA Kings history. Now, I'm going to clarify this, and this will maybe help you. He's not the player to play the longest for the LA Kings. He's the player to wear the number 40 for the longest period of time with the LA Kings. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah. I don't. Yeah. okay, Okay, so. Is there one before Potomsky? Because if I'm thinking yes. silver and black. Yes, there is. So there's one before Potomsky. Then it's Potomsky. Then it's yes. the 06 guy. Then it's, yes. then it's uh, Cal Our Peterson. Boy Cal. Okay. Um, and his dog spot. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get it. This is why we love this segment, Kings fans, because you get to experience the randomness of Kings history <laughs> with us. That was our goal when we first. That's right. Okay. So I will ask one more question. And that is such visionaries as Barry Potomsky. I would like to ask what years the player before Potomsky who wore number 40 played. What years they played or what yes. years? I'm going to tell you what year they wore the number 40. Oh, and that's okay. all you're going to get. Fine. 1992. <sighs> Fairly significant year, yeah. In Kings history, wait. Okay, <laughs> okay, hold on. This player wore a stupid number his rookie year, and I do not. <laughs> and I do not remember. Oh man, this is great! I and, love it. And I do not remember if this is the number that he wore. Stupid number. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's what I remember. This player uh, oh, wore man. a stupid number in his rookie year, then moved on to a good number. And this is a significant player in King's history. It is. You're, you're, you're beating around the bush here, buddy. I like the narrative you're crafting. Okay. Keep going. It's Daryl Sador. It is Daryl Sador. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, baby. I, oh, beast man. mode activated. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. To be fair... There were hints there that helped me out because sure, but I mean, I know I, I remember Sador. He wore 25 after this. Mm-hmm. Then he was moved and switched to five with 
I believe Dallas. Uh, did he ever wear five with the Kings, or did he just go twenty-five? No, no, okay. no. So his numbers with the Kings were forty for his rookie season, yeah. ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah. Um, twenty-five from that point on with the Kings for three seasons. He was moved to Dallas. Um, where he wore six, I think, for the remainder of the 95-96 season and then switched to five oh, okay. after okay. that. And then five kind of became really the most consistent number that he wore for the rest of his season right. in some capacity because it was five and then five and then 55 and then five and five again and then 55 one more time. And then he went to 44 at one point for you know reasons unknown for his last stint in the NHL, 47 games with St. Louis in 09-10. Um, man, I gotta say, I, I am impressed with myself a little bit. Uh, I didn't, I mean, the only help I had, guys, was the hints from Vardy. Not that I'm saying this was some kind of goddamn feat, but I am kind of impressed that I got three out of four because I thought I was gonna get Cal, and that's it. Um, okay, I'm really curious now mm -hmm. to know who that third guy is because I don't think I could pull that one. It's difficult, but it's a name that if I tell you, you'll be like. Yes, the name is familiar. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't pick his name out of a lineup of. I couldn't pick his face out of a lineup of two people. Right. If you gave it to me, um, Matt Ryan in two thousand and six. Yeah, I wasn't gonna get that. Was yeah. not gonna get that. Right. Let's he of twelve games, uh, one point and minus four. Matt Lots of Ryan. many many years with the Monarchs. That's that's why the Matt Ryan name is. Uh, familiar to those of you gotcha. who uh many many years in the ahl with the monarchs gotcha i'm trying to i'm just gonna try to see his face because <laughs> i can't it's yeah i can't it's, for the life it's of definitely me bring it like in, i can't visualize it right now okay there he is yeah i have i have almost no memory of this player yeah um so i'm i'm cool with missing this one i guess yeah so um, that being said, I was going to give this to Daryl Sador, but I feel like I have to. I have to do this now. Uh, it's the Barry Potomsky episode, buddy. It's the Barry Potomsky episode. Wow. And as I'm as I'm exploring a little bit more about these players, I'm I'm realizing that actually, uh, Mr. Potomsky actually passed away in 2011 after collapsing at a fitness oh, center. Oh no! So that's a that took a little bit of a tragic turn there. Oh for what man, was, he was 38 uh, years old. You know, for what was otherwise a, a kind of a, a, you know, a funny topic that we were discussing. This yeah. has taken a bit of a turn. So uh, to Barry Potomsky, may he rest in peace. Amen. Uh, this one's for him. Rest in peace, Barry Potomsky. Yeah. This episode's for you, man, for you and your family. Thank you for your service to the Kings, um, as short as it was. You know, it, it sucks, but I think – this was a kind of a pretty cool accident, man, to tell you the truth, that we got yeah. to kind of think of him for a little while here. So episode 40, Vardy, that's it. Next one, we're going to episode 41. Mm -hmm. um, I already have a player in mind for number 41. Oh, do you uh, now? An obvious one. Um, and I think as the weeks go by, as we get – like we've always said, we're going to have a draft preview episode for you guys. It's still a little early. Right? Yeah. It's still well, depending early. on the timing, I think I think either the next one or the one after one that might two, have to yeah. be it. One of the next two will have to be it. So I've got a couple names, man. I got to tell you, I've been I've been as I do as as the draft gets closer, yeah. I've been digging a little deeper on some of these guys that might end up uh, being in our position. You know, I thought I had 
I thought I had a guy in mind that I really wanted, but I've, 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 I've swayed a little bit. There's an, there's another name now that I'm, I'm intrigued by. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's terribly out of left field, but I'll, I'll save it for the actual episode. Do do? I, I thought there was a, that there was a couple of guys that I was like, I wanted to be one of these three guys. And as I've dug a little deeper and thought about things a bit more, there's a dark horse candidate now that I'm, I'm pulling for a little oh, bit. I'm excited to hear it. And that gives us something to look forward to with our next two episodes. So guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing some time with us. Subscribe to us on all your podcast listening apps on all your devices, anywhere you could hear a podcast, you should be able to find the Bannerman there. Drop us an email, uh, the Bannerman pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Bannerman pod uh, at Bannerman pod. We are here for you guys. Vardy loves those emails. So keep them coming. Right. Vardy. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy all the interaction and, uh, yeah, we love doing this. Uh, please leave us reviews. Please tell us if there's if there's anything in particular. And again, these summer months, um, there's there's more time to talk about some random stuff. So if there's anything in particular that you guys want us to deep dive on a little bit, um, we're happy to look into it. We're happy for you know to take all your suggestions. And if something strikes a chord with us, uh, Gato and I will definitely invest our time into it. We're here for you. That's what we do. See you guys next time for episode 41. We are on the road to 50. Episode L. Almost there. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.